It's Wednesday, June 20th, and this is The Daily Dive. The need to do something about children being separated from their families at the border is reaching critical mass. The president has demanded that Congress act and change the law so that the separations do not have to occur. In turn, there are many lawmakers that are proposing bills to handle the situation. Some are more narrow and others are more comprehensive. Haley Britsky, reporter for Axios, joins us to talk about the latest bills aimed at solving the current situation. In a surreal moment at the White House press briefing, where Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen was defending the practice, a reporter played audio obtained by ProPublica of crying children who had just been separated from their families. We will speak to that reporter, Olivia Nuzzi, about playing the audio and reaction from the room. Finally, as the president has called for the creation of a space force, we will bring you another space-related story. A woman has sued NASA to keep a vial of moon dust gifted to her by Neil Armstrong. It's a fun story, and we will speak to Mark Kaufman, science reporter at Mashable, for all the details. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. We have a house that's getting ready to finalize an immigration package that they're going to brief me on later and that I'm going to make changes to. So what I'm asking Congress to do is to give us a third option, the legal authority to detain and promptly remove families together as a unit. Joining us now is Haley Britsky, reporter for Axios. So the situation with all the children being separated from their parents when they cross the border illegally is just blowing up more and more. The president is calling on Congress to give him the power to change this. Administration officials are defending the practice, saying the children are are being well taken care of. And I know the House has a a couple bills they're going to try to vote on this week. Uh, Other senators are planning to submit bills. Let's go through some of these bills and figure out what everybody is trying to get at. Let's start with the House first. What bills do we Mm -hmm. have waiting there? So there we have two immigration bills like they're going to be voted on um, this week. We have one written by House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodladen, which is really favored by conservatives. And then we have a compromise bill that's a mix of conservative and moderate viewpoints and kind of like their asks for immigration. It's much more likely we're hearing that moderates are going to get the votes that they wanted, but that's not a surefire that it's going to pass. We have reported previously that Bob Goodluck's bill is just as likely dead. It's probably not going to get the votes that it needs to pass, but conservatives are still happy to be getting a vote on that. Does the compromise bill address the issue of the children at the border? It does in that it says that children um, who are caught crossing the border legally do not have to be separated by their parents and don't need to be remain in detention longer. However, because of the zero tolerance policy initiated by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, these families will still be separated when parents are prosecuted, which is going to be happening in what Jeff Sessions wants 100% of cases. So it's kind of this backdoor situation where because of this zero tolerance policy, they still will be separated. This zero tolerance policy is really at the crux of this whole issue. The president can just say, you know, do not enforce this part of the law. And everything would be a little more relaxed, let's say. Obviously, children can't remain in the detention centers uh, more than 21 days, I think it is. So Mm -hmm. they would still have to be separated at some point, but it would not be as immediate. On the Senate side, I know that there's a couple of bills. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz is going to be introducing one. And I think Senator Dianne Feinstein also has a bill. What are these bills about? Mm -hmm. 
Ted Cruz, he introduced the first GOP bill to solve this problem. And it addressed, specifically addresses that it would outlaw the separation of families who cross the border illegally unless there's criminal activity or the child is in potential harm. And so that's his you know, way of addressing that. Of course, being a senator from Texas, many of these holding areas are in his state. And so I'm sure he's been facing a lot of pressure from his constituents to address that. That bill specifically, though, just addresses this problem, or is it a more comprehensive immigration issues in there? It specifically addresses family migration separation. It's called the Protect Kids and Parents Act. And it's really just focusing in on this problem. It also, you know, makes new shelters for families. It speeds up the asylum adjudication process and things like that. So it, of course, touches things around this problem. But at the heart of it is in the name Protect Kids and Parents. And so that's kind of what he's working on right now. And then the other bill uh, was coming forward from Senator Dianne Feinstein. What was in the, mm-hmm. her bill? I think that one was called the Keep Families Together Act. I believe that it's all, almost all Democrats have signed on to this bill that she's pushed. And so what that does is it's going to make this illegal to separate families like this. It is going to uh, prohibit children from being taken from their parents. And so Ted Cruz is facing a little bit of pushback for having not signed on with Feinstein's act. And that has been signed by every Democrat. So that's getting a lot of push and support from their side. There's no Republican support for Feinstein's bill? There has not been yet, I don't believe, no. And the president is uh, going to Capitol Hill. He's going to meet with lawmakers to try to work on the, I, th- I think it's the House bills. Are they planning on any major changes or is it, are they really just trying to make sure that this issue gets handled? I think a, a main a main priority for this is just to make sure that this gets handled. We've seen across the board lawmakers are having a really hard time wrapping their minds around what's happening at the border right now. Just as many Republicans are have released statements saying that they don't support it, that they think the president should change it. But of course, the president is going to be pushing his priorities, which are things like funding the border wall and a merit-based program. And so those are things he wants to see in return for fixing this family separation policy. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that meeting as far as uh, working together on these things. Do we know if the president supports a narrow a narrow bill to just address this, or is, is it need to become a comprehensive bill for him? From what we've seen, it, it appears that it'd be comprehensive. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said today that he believes it needs to be a more narrow fix and that they'll deal with everything kind of after they approach this problem in general. But uh, the president from day one talking about immigration has said that things like the border wall funding are required for him in, in any kind of immigration package. So it'll be interesting to see when he meets with Republicans, if they can kind of change his mind on this and push his hand to deal with this problem by itself before approaching the other immigration issues. Haley Britsky, reporter for Axios, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much. Joining us now is Olivia Nutzi, Washington correspondent for New York Magazine. The top story in Washington still remains the children being separated from their parents at the border once they're caught crossing illegally. There was a press briefing that had Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen defending the practice, saying that the children are being taken care of. 
and you did something pretty unexpected. There was audio released by another news organization, ProPublica, of children crying and wanting to be reunited with their parents. You actually took a moment during that press briefing to play that audio. What happened? You said it was unexpected. It was unexpected even by me. I mean, I did not plan to do that. Let's take a little step back. What was in the audio that uh, ProPublica had published? Children at a uh, border protection facility who have just been separated from their parents are screaming and crying. It's about eight minutes long, I think, and one of the agents on this audio can be heard sort of mocking them, and he says, quote, well, we have an orchestra here. What's missing is a conductor. And the kids, wow. I mean, the sound of, of the children, it's, it's really difficult to listen to. They're crying out for their parents. One of the children, sounds like a girl, is asking if the agent can call her aunt. They're little kids. ProPublica was saying that more than 100 of these children are under the age of four. And then specifically, this audio that they obtained seemed to be very shortly after they had been separated from their parents. So the emotions were very high, very raw. Yeah, it sounds like it had just happened uh, when you listen to the audio. And remember, I mean, this is Attorney General Jeff Sessions back in May during a speech promoted this idea of separating children from their parents as a means of deterring people without the proper paperwork and people coming across the border um, outside of the proper checkpoints uh, without documentation, without citizenship from coming here. And John Kelly, the White House Chief of Staff, is on the record endorsing this policy as well. He says that, you know, he hopes it would be temporary, but he says it would be a very powerful deterrent. I'm paraphrasing, but, but that is what he said. And so the White House has been trying, and the president has come out publicly to say, oh, we don't like this. You know, nobody likes to see children being separated from their family. And yet, this is the policy of the administration. So what happened? You played this audio at the press briefing. What happened with the, uh, how did the opportunity arise? I didn't plan to play it. I, I assumed that it would be played at some point by a reporter who was called on. So the briefing room, if, if you haven't been there, it's really, it's pretty small. It's like shockingly small. There are a couple of rows where reporters sit and mostly up front, it's television reporters, uh, people with the major networks, CNN, NBC, Fox. And they get called on, of course, and they're recognizable people. And I was waiting for somebody to play it. And when Secretary Nielsen was asked about the story, she said something she kind of deflecting, saying that, you know, if there was a story, if it was something that came out on Monday, she wouldn't have seen it because she was so occupied on Monday. And I just thought, why don't we just play it? If she hasn't heard it, if that's what she wants to say, then why not follow up and play it and ask for her response? So you played the audio um, and, and what was yeah. their reaction? A few minutes before uh, a reporter's phone rang and in the briefing room and it was loud and everyone could hear it, but it wasn't like disruptive. It sort of was like people heard it and just kept going about their business. And I just thought, well, if the briefing isn't put on hold and, and totally disrupted by that sound, then why don't I just play it? And when I realized that it was winding down, that she had taken a number of questions and was likely going to stop, I just hit play and I was standing in the back and it took a second and then everyone started looking around trying to identify where the sound was coming from. Sarah Huckabee Sanders and another press aide off to the side, Hogan Gibley, I could see, and there was a, a third press aide there, I could see them, their eyes widening, trying to figure out without showing it on their faces since they were on camera, what the hell was going on. And April Ryan, a reporter, uh, 
in the briefing tweeted at one point that I think she said the briefing was off the chain because somebody was playing the audio <laughs> and, and it was creating some disturbance. I mean, there's no way that Secretary Nielsen didn't hear it because, as I said, it's a small room. And I thought it was pretty clear that as her eyes were darting to the back of the room and she continued to speak, she heard it even as she was ignoring it. Right. And another reporter did later on comment on Twitter, I think, that it was pretty astonishing to watch her lying about this policy while she was listening to the audio of the children. It's an interesting juxtaposition. You know, they're defending the practice and saying that the kids are being taken care of. Obviously, this was a very raw moment for the children in the audio. But later on, Kirsten Nielsen said, well, you know, people who write about these terrible images and the audio and everything, it just reflects the focus of those right. who post such pictures and narratives. She was saying, don't believe the press. And even ProPublica, their president said that their agenda is to bring to the American people facts for their consideration so people can make their own determination about this. The images released by the government are are not good. I would assume, and you could, I think, reasonably assume that these are the most flattering images of where these children right. are being held. And it looks like a FEMA camp. It's not anything like what Secretary Nielsen was describing, where she's saying, oh, they're taken care of, they're comfortable, they have TVs. I think it's a pretty serious point that one of the lines from people defending the White House is quibbling with the idea that it's, that the children are in cages and saying, oh, well, you know, they're not cages, they're just in this barricade, anytime you're you're explaining something like that, you're trying to make a distinction between children being in a barricaded area and children being in a cage, you're you're kind of losing the battle in an optic sense at least. Olivia Nuzzi, Washington correspondent for New York magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm going to step off the limb. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Joining us now is Mark Kaufman, science reporter for Mashable. So there was this great story involving NASA, a woman who has a vial of moon dust. Neil Armstrong features in this story. This lady is suing NASA so that she can keep a vial of moon dust that was gifted to her by Neil Armstrong. What is this story all about? She is claiming that as a as a young child, the first person ever to step foot on the moon, Neil Armstrong, gifted her a vial of moon dust. Now, she sued NASA because she doesn't want them to take it away from her. But there was never any indication that NASA was trying to do this as a preemptive strike. Absolutely. It, it appears NASA was unaware of this vial of purported moon dust. And she is suing because both her and her lawyer are spooked by uh, an earlier event that took place in 2011, in which a woman attempted to sell a couple tiny pieces of moon rock and got involved in this bizarre sting operation with some federal agents. Back to this case, the lady's name is Laura Chico. And back when she was a child, her name was Laura Ann Murray. So she has a handwritten note from Neil Armstrong to Laura Ann Murray. Best of luck. Neil Armstrong, Apollo 11, and it, along with that and the, the unautographed picture, she also had a vial of moon dust. Her attorney tried to get this material analyzed. What happened there? They wanted to present evidence to a judge showing that they had a good case. And so it took the moon dust to a, a chemist, an expert in analyzing this sort of material at a, a lab called the, the Bruker Corporation. And I spoke to this chemist. He ran a couple tests. 
And the first test he ran didn't really give him any helpful insight, but he ran a second test that he said is consistent with soil that might be found on the lunar highlands. But that's where a couple of little problems started happening, specifically with Neil Armstrong. They say that he never visited the lunar highlands. So how did he come into possession of this moon dust? The famous moon landing in 1969 was in the Sea of Tranquility, a a low-lying basin on the moon. And Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked around and took pictures and collected moon rocks and just bounced around in the low gravity. So he would have never had an opportunity to have gone up to the highlands and collected anything. But the chemist couldn't rule out that this substance had lunar origins. The important thing is that these tests did not show anything conclusive about whatever's in this vial being from the moon. He found consistencies with moon material from the lunar highlands. Laura Chico now, she's she's afraid that NASA might want to take back possession of this. Does NASA own every piece of moon rock? Yes, NASA pretty much owns every piece of moon rock on the planet. NASA has never gifted a speck of moon to any person, not even President Clinton, who apparently wanted to keep a moon rock that was in his office while he was president. And NASA's allowed to have dominion over this. One, they went there and got it. And uh, I spoke to a, a space lawyer. And for scientific purposes, NASA can have possession of moon rocks. And it it draws in this weird question, because since the government didn't necessarily give it away, did Neil Armstrong steal it and give it to somebody? (laughs) So now you're calling into question the character of Neil Armstrong. It seems highly doubtful that Neil Armstrong would have taken any moon rocks from the government. And it's even more doubtful that he could have. I mean, you got to think about the fact that when they came back to Earth from the moon, I mean, they were they were quarantined. Everything was taken away from them in case there might have been harmful space germs that they were bringing back. Neil Armstrong couldn't just walk to a building in the Johnson Space Center and open a drawer and pull out some moon dust and leave. <laughs> so, so as wacky as this lawsuit seems, I mean, what's the next step? Does NASA and the government really have to pursue this? I mean, they have to check to see if there is authenticity to it, right? I, I know the lawyer has done his study, but would the government have to check it out and then really try to take it away from her? Well, we'll see what the judge decides to do if the judge decides that it should go to trial. And we'll see how NASA reacts to this. There is, without doubt, missing moon rock out there. So... The agency certainly might be interested in pursuing it. If so, she's got a big problem now. Right, that Um, she caused (laughs) on on her own because nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. Maybe she wants to try and sell it. I mean, it's just a fun story. It's so interesting. Uh, You know, the president has even uh, stated his intention to create a space force, uh, another arm of the military. So it's just a fun space story that uh, I really, I want to keep following this because now I want her to keep it. (laughs) I want to make sure she doesn't get it taken away. Whether it's real or not, I kind of want her to keep it. Gotcha. Well, you know, (laughs) if it's not real, whatever it is, she will have the chance to keep it. But But I will say an important point in the story is that I talked to two planetary scientists, and both of them said that if it is, in fact, from the moon and it was analyzed, it would almost certainly be obvious whether or not it came from the moon or not. Mark Kaufman, science reporter for Mashable. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter. 
and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.